San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, I am Joe Vecchio. Good evening. Welcome to It's Your Money and Your Life, the award-winning show. I'm your co-host, announcer, and producer. We're coming to you uh, from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. There's an app for 760KFMB if you want to hear us on your smartphone. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on iwaymoney.com and on our page at uh, 760KFMB.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author. He's a philanthropist. He's a lecturer. He's a family office expert advising several high net worth families. Did I leave anything out? Good evening, Richard Musio, CPA extraordinaire. I did leave something out. How are you tonight? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you left out that um, tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, I'm a half marathoner. <laughs> okay. so. This is uh, AFC starting. AFC, at- me, me and our engineer Justin Hart are going to be burning up the streets from Cabrillo National Monument all the way to Balboa Park. So what time are you parking to catch the bus at uh, Balboa? I'm walking over, but the last bus leaves for the start line at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> morning fun <laughs> this is hangover sunday justin yeah. over there <laughs> i did it once in April, and, and then you, you the you, things you, we do for fun yeah so you start at cabrillo monument and you run down you, you through, run harbor, through point loma down to harbor shelter island. island harbor island past the airport and you then you, you curl up the last like mile six is well not last because you got to laurel street bridge but you do uphill on a street then you hang a left and do another 12 blocks or so going up sixth you go up sixth to laurel street bridge and if you make it across to the bridge you finish and yeah, if you uh, make it alive and you'll probably see a lot of people done. just uh passing out left and right when i was there they had first aid all over the place yeah. and the well, it's people... supposed to be hot so i'm sure they will again oh my gosh yeah, yeah. this is yeah this i remember the 84 uh, when tony Gwynn was bragging about not having air conditioning when he was playing in that great season where we beat the Cubs and wound up in the World Series. But but anyway, uh, I just want to give a plug to a really nice show uh, that I saw at the Globe the other day called Baskerville. And uh, it's a really neat uh, five actors in the small theater in the round there. I think it's the Cheryl and Harvey White Theater now. And uh, really terrific uh, staging. I, I mean, it's yeah, it's well, well worth seeing. It's a, it's amazing how many costume changes. Where is it located again, Joe? Well, it's in Bubble Park, the Old Globe Theater. The Old Globe, okay. But they have three theaters, as you may know. It's and in the little one. It's right? in the the new small one. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but uh, very, highly recommended. I think folks will enjoy that. It's uh, Mel Brooks would have been proud. It's uh, <laughs> would be proud. It's very very funny. But anyway, we have tonight a uh, a very uh, important guest. Uh, been around the NFL as an executive for 35 years, produced the Super Bowl for about 28 of them. We'll check on all my data later. I'm pretty sure I'm accurate. Uh, then he joined the Chargers as an executive uh, for about five years and recently left them, I think, a couple years ago. But uh, he's very well known in the NFL and around pro sports, a gentleman and a scholar and a nice guy and a, and a hell of an executive. And his name is Jim Steig. Jim, welcome to our show. Thank you very much. Can I get my plug for place I went this week? Absolutely, please. All right. We actually went to the belly up on Tuesday night. Ah, and it was fantastic. It was Kevin Costner and his yeah, band. Yeah, Costner was there. Kevin it was, Costner. It was yeah. incredible. Really, really incredible. Great they, show. They didn't advertise that much, did they? It was it was packed. It was sold out, and it was an uh, unbelievable experience. He was. I, wow. You don't think of it, but a uh, very talented uh, musician and a lot of really good guys that are with him. Huh. What the, is it? Country western or pop music? No, or what? it's basically stuff he's written himself. I guess it's kind of rockabilly, maybe or something. Wow. If you wanted to classify it as something like that, but he. Uh, 
Kevin it was very it was very good it's all it's all original music that he wrote himself he Excellent. says you know when he's sitting in the trailer it's he strums stuff out and writes music and he when he talks he talks about each song and why he did it and you know what well, the I'm, background I'm is I'm glad been. to hear he has that talent because uh, the, the my favorite film of his was Dances with Wolves and I can't think of anything else notable that maybe Tin Cup what do you guys remember that he's done other than Dances with Wolves well the baseball movie yeah. Bull Durham oh well come yeah. on Joe Field of Dreams Field of, Field of Dreams well, Pretty good. Yeah, That's pretty there's good. a few of them out there, but uh, and I, I know he's he got an Oscar, co- you know, for for what should he get? He got an Oscar for uh, Dances with Wolves. Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Wolves yeah. yeah, I thought that was his high. I thought Bull Durham was the best baseball. Like movie. Tom Cruise, I thought there was you know Rescue Business. I thought they peaked with that one, but anyway. <laughs> but what do I know? These guys got millions of dollars. What do I know? But uh, in any case, obviously they do have fans out there, so. But Jim, why don't you give us? Uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, you're from Boston originally, right? Born in Boston, and yep. uh, why don't you just take us, uh, give us a little thumbnail from your youth? Uh, well, I was I was born in Boston, raised there for 12, 13 years, and mm-hmm. then uh, my father had been my father taught at MIT and then worked Ooh. for RCA. He was a he's a PhD from MIT, um, huh. and uh, was actually is when they use the old sign to talk about the fact that you know. You're not a son of a rocket scientist. Well, I am a son of a rocket scientist. <laughs> uh, he was he was involved with the Saturn V rocket, which was the rocket that you know sent Apollo 11 to the moon. So, huh. uh, uh, so he we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he worked for IT and T there. And and I went to junior high and high school there. Then uh, at the urging of my football coach, not that I was a football player, I I looked at and went to Miami of Ohio, mm-hmm. and uh, got a got a great associations there, and and my time in the NFL has been invaluable because of all the connections yeah. for Miami dating back to, you know, the John Ponce and Woody Hayes. To, I got to spend time with Wee Bubank, Bill Arnsbarger, you know, was a, was a dear friend. He's a Miami Ohio guy. And then worked for years as an accountant, then went off and uh, went, got to my MBA from Wake Forest mm-hmm. and uh, applied for a bunch of jobs and ended up getting hired as an accountant by the Dolphins. Hmm. And what year uh, was that? that was 1975. Wow. And then we, uh, the boss there, Joe Robbie, um, saw wise enough that the three guys that were my immediate superiors got fired, retired, and quit. <laughs> 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 and he decided, I've got this kid making $12,000 a year. I can give him a $2,400 raise. And I, <laughs> he can do all those three jobs put together. So. So I very quickly became, you know, I raised way up in the hierarchy there and got a lot of exposure there. Obviously, very fortunate that I worked with Don Shula for four years and uh, learned a lot from dealing with him about honesty and integrity and uh, preparation and things like that. And then... um, were these, the years, were these years when they won the uh, the Super Bowl? No, no they were no, undefeated no. in '72. Yeah, right? it was after that. It was, it was after that. Yeah. Just he after. blamed okay. me that the only losing record Don ever had was when I was there. We were six and eight. And <laughs> yeah, I always blame the accountant when the team loses. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so we came goes. back and went eleven and five the next year. So we were we were fine. We, that's right. when we drafted Baumauer and Dewey and changed things around. Oh, so I mean, it was uh, and then uh, left there, got hired by Pete Rosell for a job that he wouldn't tell me what the job was going to be um he said come up i got a job for you um (laughs) you're going to like it and you know when pete calls and says that and you know you you know how you go into one of those things and you say i'm going to go get a job and Uh this is how much money i've got to get and this is i want a car and i want this and that and they want me to move me and everything like that and it's kind of that pie in the sky thing. And I walked into Pete's office. He says, "Listen, I'm going to offer you this. You're going to get a car. We're going to move you. We're going to pay for you." <laughs> I'm going, 
Okay. <laughs> he didn't even have to maybe, ask. Maybe, right? maybe I should have thought more, but uh, no, went to work up there. And, and what was year a, was that? Now? I was 1979. Okay. And I, I uh, was immediately assigned to go down and watch Super Bowl 13 and just kind of observe what was going on and what was taking place, not really knowing why. Now, who, who was that? That Where? was Pittsburgh-Dallas. Okay. And then we went to the Pro Bowl, which was the last game the NFL played for a while in the Coliseum, um, Pro Bowl in L.A. in 79, which was the game that Roger Staubach got mugged after the end of the game walking out of the Coliseum <laughs> um, and studied that. And then I'm going to give you a quiz, though. 79 Super Bowl, uh, what was the halftime show for that? It was like Up With People? Up with or people. Was it? <laughs> it was up with people. Just guessing. Yeah, it was a wild guess, but it was pretty good. I know they did it about five times. Yeah, okay. so they uh, – no, I don't think they did do 79 when I think about it. No? It was Disney. I think they did 80. Okay. Because the first one I did was 80, and they did they did uh, up with people with that one. Okay. So we um, – I came back, and I was there for about a month, and because he wanted to break it to all the staff that would previously been involved in the Super Bowl, that he was putting me in charge of the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl, the draft, basically all the things that were not happening at 410 Park Avenue, league mm-hmm. meetings – Hmm. That sort of stuff. And um, so he had to break it all to them because the Super Bowl, his idea was it was getting so big that he needed one guy to funnel it all through. And so that was me. Hmm. And and then so I always looked at myself like an hourglass. I take everybody else's ideas, then I kind of coolest put it all together, and then we spread it back out when we got back the two weeks before the game. So Mm -hmm. that was my start, and I worked there for 26 years. And then uh, – was hired here in November of really hi- I was really hired in September. We didn't announce until November uh-huh. um, here to be COO of the Chargers. And I was here for six years and like to think it was the best six years in Charger history. <laughs> um, I think we, I don't think there was any other period that you went to playoffs five years out of six in the entire 54 year history of the team. So isn't that something? So anyway, we've got to take a break. We'll get more into whether the Chargers are staying or going or whatever with Jim Steig from the NFL and the Chargers right after this. Hang on. We are back with Jim Steig. The, th- the theme of that song is Should I Stay or Should I Go? We thought that would be funny because, obviously, the Chargers were in the throes of that decision. But, Jim, there's been a lot that's happened this week. And uh, where do you want to start? I, I, what, anything so proud? <laughs> you want to talk about, like the mayor begging? You want to start there? <laughs> should we start? Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's just a sad, it's a sad situation. I mean, yeah. it really is. It, it, I think it needs – it's lacked honesty. You know, uh-huh. through this whole thing and uh-huh. truthfulness of what's taken place, um, I thought you know the city's kind of negotiating against themselves, you know, because they obviously are not sitting in the negotiating room with the with anybody from the Chargers and doing everything, and uh-huh. so it's tough to them to negotiate against themselves, uh, trying to put their best foot forward to the league. Uh, what are you saying against themselves or with themselves? Well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it's t- it's t- you know that's uh, the media, as you know, we're constantly wondering what the financing plan was, and so they mm-hmm. gave them one. Um, but you're not, I'm sure that that's not the, you know, a, that wouldn't be the finished product to begin with, but I'm sure there's a lot of component parts in that because you just got to make sure you've got the best leverage you got when you actually do have to sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but doesn't the NFL want municipalities to pay for stadiums and then they want the um, owners to reap the rewards, the revenue? <laughs> well, they want, they want public part too. They want, they got in this term public private partnership mm-hmm. and that's definitely where they are and I, I think that was the most important thing that came out of this is they got 
a statement made by the city and the county that they're going to help fund this. And I think the league looks at that and realizes that, okay, well, now you're serious because obviously that's not happening in Oakland. Right. Um, and so I think that that's a very, very important part. And, and that is part of the relocation guidelines in there that if there's a public partnership in that, that they've really got to explore that option. So, Well, didn't the NFL help with uh, the stadium that the Jets and the Giants use and also I think Dallas? And I, I don't know, you know, they have a fund built up and I guess they disperse it, uh, you know, from time to time. But didn't they help in those two instances? Yeah, they've got a fund uh, that they, they have started back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, which was designed originally to take care of all the major metropolitan markets mm-hmm. and make sure stadiums stayed there, you know, the Chicago's and the Washington's and the New York's. Uh, that that bubble after they did it got burst real quick because they helped take care of Indianapolis and a few places like that along the way. So mm-hmm. they got that funding and then they re-upped it after they got the latest collective bargaining agreement. So they've been funding now. They were funding 100, $125 million on those and now they've the last couple ones they've done up to 200 million like i think they've got done in atlanta and they've also got done in minnesota so Mm -hmm. uh and whether that increases or not is certainly subject to debate Mm -hmm. um the the one proviso on that which is interesting is it it, the way it's voted that money only goes to existing markets it doesn't go to anybody that they're moving to so that fund now the nfl can change their rules anytime they want to but right now that fund does not apply to anything would happen in la Hmm. But but the way I read the situation is is I think the Spanos family wants to move to L.A. Yeah, I can't disagree with you that there there's been whatever has been said one way shape or form uh, publicly, it, you know the actions have 100 percent been the other way. You know the, mm-hmm. the as I, the spokesman for the Chargers have repeatedly behind the scenes in any way possible they could do they haven't done anything to, to make you think that they want to stay. Uh, and, and in fact, have said things publicly and then immediately gone the opposite way privately. Um, you know, like they, when they told us when I was on CSAG, they were agnostic towards, you know, where we were downtown or whatever. And so we go down it and then they immediately start the campaign privately about downtown. And we're even asked that question, I believe, when they went met with the mayor uh, a month or so ago and said the same thing, you know, and... Then they start the campaign, you know, the drum beating towards downtown again. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I think downtown is kind of a loss leader. I mean, it's, you throw it out there because you know it's going to lose. Right, you know? right. But I, I, it is, to me, that's the honesty through this whole process. Mm-hmm. Just tell us what you want to do and what you want to do. Let's sit down and try to get done. I, I don't think it's a difficult deal. It's complicated. Um, I think I probably negotiated 40 stadium leases in my life mm-hmm. around the world. Hmm. And I know they're they're difficult to get done, but they're doable. And I think the most important thing here is that you have a willing partner. You know, this time you got a willing partner from the city and the county, yeah. which you haven't had here. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have it back in 05, 06, 07, right. 08. So you've got that. And as long as you've got a willing partner wanting to get something done, it can get there. And I'm... I'm History always has something to do with something, and you go yeah. back and you say, well, this is what happened in 2003. Okay, this is not 2003 anymore. There's there's nobody involved in city government here. Maybe Ron Roberts is the only guy that's mm-hmm. got continuity from that period of time, mm-hmm. but uh, there's nobody involved in that anymore. So it's, it's this is a new era. Yeah. Plus, the economy took a little bump in the road there, 07, 08. And, yeah, uh, we, you tend know. To, we tend to float all these dates together. Mm-hmm. Um, that are out there and and not really. I've seen this some in the media, which drives me nuts. 
you know, I saw one guy, a member of the media, said, well, you know, the reason they abandoned Qualcomm was because of the economy. No, 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 no. The reason they abandoned Qualcomm in 2005, and I was there, was because Micah Gary threatened to sue the development partners that were there on behalf of the city if they went down the road and did this project. And mm. the development partner said, we can't take that risk mm. that we're going to put all this money up and then the city is going to sue us to do that. So they dropped out. Yes, the economy happened, but that was a full 18 months, two years later mm-hmm. that the economy happened. So you right. can't collapse all these dates and say this is why this thing happened. Right. But but wouldn't the value of the Chargers franchise increase dramatically if it was placed in Los Angeles versus San Diego? Oh, yeah. It, their yeah. debt would increase, too. Yeah, I know. There's going to be investment <laughs> but, in debt and debt service. But, but, but it, over the long term, the value. My, here's my question I've always had. Yeah. If you bought your house here in San Diego for $250,000. Mm-hmm in 1981 Mm -hmm. and you now say it's worth two and a half million dollars that's great it's great paper asset isn't it Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean two and a half million dollars until you sell it right right so if you want to say it's worth more money and you want to grow to make make it worth more money then there has to be if that's the motivation then is there a motivation to sell Mm -hmm. at that point in time to recoup the money because it doesn't make a lot of sense to do it if you're not trying to recoup the money right so is that the equivalent uh appreciation because the charges were purchased for around 50 million uh by alex it was like 87 yeah with the other the additional now it's worth about a billion they say and the average nfl team is worth about 1.43 billion i looked that up so um it's, it's a pretty yeah, and I think this team, if it was, if it had a lease agreement and had a long-term arrangement here, the value of the team in San Diego would increase too. But, oh, there's no question. You know, so I, I it, it's not. Is, is it going to be as valuable? I, I, you know, my wife wrote this this weekend, and and I think she's right. And she said, I, I everybody talks about this whole thing changing when Cronky got involved. That's the St. Louis owner. Yeah. yeah. This changed when Steve Ballmer bought the Clippers. Right. He bought the Clippers for $2 billion, which is about three times he, he the appraised two, value. Yeah, he paid $2 billion for the Clippers yeah. last May, and all of a sudden this whole process, however you get the dates, just started in earnest towards mm-hmm. Carson. Huh. So if, if it's just a coincidence, that's great. But, you know, when you look at the Clippers, obviously a former San Diego team, and you think of that as – at that moment in time in Los Angeles, was that number seven as far as sports franchises there? Mm-hmm. We, we also paid. had the Houston Rockets, the San Diego Rockets. We came to Houston Rockets. I know. Well, yeah. I mean, as I said, yeah. we, we got something there that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Lakers, the Kings, the Dodgers, SC, UCLA, all those things are more valuable than the Clippers were. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he paid all this money for it. And it's got to make – that made everybody in the NFL stand up and take notice. I wonder yeah. if it was all that controversy with Donald Sterling that uh, gave that because now you had this big public sentiment for the team as and against the owner, so maybe that helped drive the value. Well, Who they, knows? they started the win, you know, yeah. that has something to do with it. True. But but he wanted to buy. I mean, I can't speak for this. Maybe maybe you guys can, but you know, if I was worth twenty five billion dollars. Two billion dollars might not be that big a deal to me, right. you know. <laughs> I think I think it's more of a. Comp- my opinion is it's more of a competition thing between Cranky and Spano. Because, you know, you've got 32 owners, you've got 32 franchises, you have 32 extremely large egos. I think Cranky was number two on the list in terms of net worth. Yes, of he's owners. right beyond Paul Allen. He's right behind Paul Allen. And that's not counting his wife's net worth. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, is it possible that Spanos wants to get L.A. before Cranky does? Well, it's possible. I mean, I'm sure that's there. I mean, yeah. I, they've certainly expressed interest that they think they own the market right. in some way, shape, or form. And I, there's no doubt that they think there's a claim to that 
that's there, and they, they think they mined it and it was abandoned, and they've claimed it. They've put their flag mm-hmm. down after it was abandoned. Hmm. Uh, I do remember when the Raiders moved out, Al certainly said at that point in time, I'm leaving, but I'm not giving up my rights to L.A. Right. Huh. Um, so let's, uh, let's hold that Let's hold that thought right there, though, Jim. We'll get right more into this with the Chargers and Jim Steig right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. I can't believe Justin dug out that Chargers theme song, but over to Richard to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our super sponsors. <laughs> That'd be UBS, Drew Friedis, Michael Caranta. Couldn't do it without you guys. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, two of them actually, Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, by far and away the best CFO service here on the West Coast with five offices across the West Coast. Plato Epic CPAs up in lovely San Marcos, Don Epic and Paul Polito. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, by far and away the best business valuation firm on the planet, helping business owners reduce their risk and thus increase the value, the multiple of their business. Cost segregation initiatives, Joel Grushkin, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. If you want to take all that money you're making with Joel and Carl and protect it, how about Brenda Geiger with the law office of Brenda Geiger, specializing in estate planning and asset protection. Mars Maddox, now they're known as Hub International, a great employee benefits firm, staying very busy, giving every, giving everything that's happening with health care in this country these days. Neil Staley with Hub International. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs, so his CPAs can provide tremendous value to the very best clients. Paul Hines with Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul heads up the EndFinancialAbuse.org project here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse. Again, EndFinancialAbuse.org. And last but not least, yes, we are bringing women's professional tennis back to Carlsbad Thanksgiving week. I don't have enough to do with 18,000 people coming to my Oceanside Turkey Trot. We've got a women's professional tournament at Park, Hi- Park Hyatt Aviara that week. Check out cldclassic.org. It's going to be a lot of fun as long as El Nino holds off until December. And Joe, we got Courtney Lover with PopX Graphics doing a great job on our website where our listeners can find out what? Well, all they have to do to, if they want to find out about our sponsors is get over to iymoney.com and get your um, cursor right over the sponsor tab. There's a drop-down menu, and you can find out all about their contact information, their bios, anything else you need to know. And I know they've been working with Richard for many years with great success, right, Richard? In some cases, almost 30 years. Yeah. Hey, I found out Super Bowl Twenty Two, Richard. Yeah. San Diego State marching band was a half part of the halftime show. Wow. With Chubby Checker and the Rockettes. <laughs> Chubby Checker. Jim, we Jim put that together, right? Nice. Yep. And the USC marching band. How about the, Joe Robbie? I guess that one was in. They've had the Super Bowl a lot in Miami. You've had a lot to do with that, Jim. <laughs> yeah, it was my, my first one I ever went to was Super Bowl Ten. I think I sat in the upper deck and watched. The Steelers-Cowboys game. It was a great game. <laughs> One year there, it got totally, uh, there was a total downpour. And by, right. and by the way, Florida right now is getting really smacked right. with some major. I was very fortunate that 26 years, we never had a drop of rain on the game. And then the very first game after I was done, it poured. <laughs> there you go. So uh, somebody can read they into shouldn't. that however they want to read into it. So, so Jim, is, is the league, there's this date that I've seen, January 12th, about the league maybe making a decision about who it is they think they want to move to L.A.? Is that accurate? I think January 12th is the date by which they have to you have to apply for um, um, relocation. Okay. And which is a very tenuous and dangerous thing because if you apply and you don't get it, right. 
um, which is certainly possible. I mean, out of these three franchises, one of them at least is going to be left at the starting gate, I would think. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a very tenuous deal to do. You got better make sure you got your ducks in a row and you got your votes lined up to get it done and know where the league's headed with that. And, and a lot of things are going to happen in the span of the next five months to get there. They've got a meeting in October that I know that all cities are going to be invited to come and make presentation of the full membership and uh, there'll be meetings in between, all that sort of stuff going on. And, and unfortunately, this is going to linger throughout the entire season, mm-hmm. um, which is sad. And I, I, I think the thing that bothers me, and I know why they're doing this, is those of us that were around for a long time remember the 95 Browns and the 96 Oilers and the, the 83 Colts and the you know 87 Cardinals and, and all the things that went wrong. I think of the last seven teams that uh, moved uh, – there was only one with a winning record mm-hmm. <laughs> that year before they moved, and that was the Raiders. Right. Uh, ironically, in '94, and the Raiders went four and four at the Coliseum. And if the Raiders had gone six and two at the Coliseum, Chargers might not have gone to the Super Bowl that year. So, <laughs> gives you an idea how things can change. Yeah, the Raiders. They moved to L.A., then the Oakland to L.A., then back to Oakland. That was kind of a crazy episode, wasn't it? A, a, yeah, everybody always remember they got the ten million dollars out of Irwindale to go up there to that that. You know, area up there, which is what a granite yeah. <laughs> quarry or whatever the heck it is, is still sitting there. I drive by whenever I go to Pasadena. But, but the, the Chargers and the Raiders are, are talked about in the in the media as being sort of a tandem for the Carson location, whereas the St. Louis Rams are talked about. I, I guess the Inglewood or the old Hollywood Park location. Yeah, that's true. That's what the way it's been. Whether that's how it all plays out in the end, who knows? Do, do you think the NFL would would maybe let one team go and then and then hold off on maybe another one so they could hold well, um, some power over some people's heads? About I think that's who might very. Next? I think that's very very possible. I, I I also think that the NFL. I mean, they have not been in L.A. in twenty years. Right. They failed in L.A. Mm-hmm. when they were there before with two pretty powerful mm-hmm. franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raiders had won Super Bowls when they were in L.A. Yeah, the Rams and, were and consistently Rams, good Rams throughout the 60s. To, and, Rams went to a Super right. Bowl when they were in L.A. So, uh, you know, for I think you've got to be very careful when you go in there to make sure whoever goes in there is a success. Um, my fear, if it was me, and I'm sitting on the other side as an owner, I'm going, you know, I, I want a successful, well-run business that's going in there. I know that you're going to have to sell season tickets. You've got you're going to have to sell club seats. You're going to have to sell suites. You're going to have to sell sponsorship, all those things to make yourself viable. And you're going to end up playing in a temporary facility anywhere from three to five years mm-hmm. before you move into the existing building. So you've really got to be on firm footing there. And I think to do that with two just doubles the risk. Yeah. Uh, and I think the last thing they want to do is go in and fail. And and you want to cultivate the fans and be respectful to the fans. And you know what? Maybe that might be the rap against the Chargers because I don't think the fans are feeling it a- anymore with all, you know, the way they kept saying, we'll take our ball. But, but, but also that might be a rap against the Raiders because the Raiders bring a certain crowd that isn't necessarily viewed favorably by the NFL. Yeah, I, there's a lot of, like I said, the, there's there's a lot of machinations going on in this mm-hmm. thing. And, and for Anybody that would sit there today and say how this was going to play out, they're crazy. <laughs> um, because it's going to go through a lot of things, and there are going to be a lot of issues out there. I, I know that um, well, yesterday, you know, or was two days ago, Carmen Policy got the entire city of San Diego up in arms mm-hmm. when he said that everybody was, the Raiders and the Chargers were totally behind the Los Angeles effort. But he also said something that, and I guess he's having a press conference today, that that stadium is going to be shovel ready whenever they say that they're going to build. Well, no, it's not. Uh, they've still got to remediate the land. Right. Uh, and as you know, 
Charger spokesman attacked here over and over again about the remediation of the land to Qualcomm with the Kinder Morgan site, which is remediated. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know how you all of a sudden attack here and don't attack there. Where did Carmen Policy come from? Did, are the Chargers and Raiders, are they paying him to be their spokesman? I mean, yes. he came Oh, okay. Yes. Because he, he came they, out of nowhere. He's, uh, you know, he's been in retirement after uh-huh. he left the Browns. He's, he's up... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> growing growing uh, grapes uh-huh. up in uh, uh, Northern California. Of course, he had some good years with the Niners. He had some listen. He had some great years with the Niners. Yeah, and he had, you know, he had a lot of success there. And you know, so he's listen. He's been a dear friend for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I know him very well. I always said if I was going to jail, <laughs> I would call him first because I know he'd get me out. <laughs> and, <so. laughs> that's that's funny. Well, you know, the sad thing is, and you were on the uh, the task force for a while, Jim. Now. Uh, how long were you on there, and why did you leave? Well, it's not. I'm not that I leave. It ended. Oh, it ended. Okay. <laughs> you know, it was everyone 108 left, days, and we gave our report, and that was the end of it. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, so we did our part and and got away, and and I think it it served a purpose, you know, because we need, you know, everybody was radio silent last year at this time. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I challenge you to go back at this period of time last year all the way through the fall. Oh yeah. And find out much discussion at all going back on the stadium well, issue. Well, and, the Chargers wouldn't talk. Yeah, nobody was talking, so something was going on. And as you remember, later the mayor said they even asked them, you know, and they said, don't worry about it. we got plenty of time. Take your time, which obviously proved to me not true. And that's and so I think the mayor established this group was let's get a plan, let's get a site, let's get raise the public consciousness of what's going on, get the public support behind it, which I think happened. And uh and then he knew whatever was going to get handed over to them, as we said constantly, this is nothing more than a framework. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's a jigsaw puzzle, which maybe we put the flat edges out on the table and try to put them in the right order, but we still are looking for a few flat edges, hmm. you know, for the puzzle. And, and so I think he, and then they've gone from there. And they obviously they hired a law firm, they hired an investment banking firm to come in, and they've hired experts, they hired populists as an architect to come in and do everything. So, they're putting their ducks in a row to make sure they've got the pros out there mm-hmm. um, to do that. But know. is it possible to put anything out in public that well, Fabiani would well, have to You're going to have to hold that thought, though, Richard, because we have to take our break, though, and we'll come right back with uh, the tail end of this, uh, this saga with Jim Steig and the Chargers right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back with Jim Steig, NFL executive and Chargers executive extraordinaire. And Richard had a question about Fabiani, and then I want to get into yeah, Donald yeah, Trump can't a little bit. This, Jim, but it seems to me that whatever is suggested, Fabiani shoots it down. Let's go to Chula Vista. No, that won't work. Let's go downtown. No, that won't work. I mean, if we said the county and the city can pay for the whole thing, he'd probably say the voters would never approve it. So why are we wasting our time? Well, I think the thing that bothers me the absolute most about the Charger spokesman in this deal is that he's always right and everybody else is always wrong. And in any deal, I don't care who it is, whatever it is, there's always some element that they're smarter than you are. Mm-hmm. And they, they've got some insight that you're going to take away that's going to do something. And I think that's how you should deal with people. I don't think you should name call. I don't think he should come out and attack people like he's done. Oh, he's offended some civic leaders. Oh, he's yeah. listen, this, this list goes on. I mean, I think we as a community – emboldened him mm-hmm. in 2005 when he was one of the few people that came out and attacked the Gary. Right. And so I think that gave him a feeling of power and what was taking place. And everybody did that. Now his next attack was Cheryl Cox, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which I didn't think was very smart at the time because obviously her husband is on the County commission, mm-hmm. um, but took her on, you know, and so he's, it, you know, and when we got done with the CSAG thing, he takes on Steve Cushman who has nothing to do with CSAG right. and he knew 
He knew before he did it that the mayor had told him he's not going to be part of CSAC. Plus, he's a pretty respected fellow around town. Well, he's, given, yeah. he's yeah. given his time and effort to make the community better. I mean, uh, Steve Cushman yeah. I'm yeah. talking about. So, so pe- speaking of people who say interesting things, Joe, you wanted to talk well, about Donald Trump. Yeah, uh, well, Jim was around. You know, Trump started the USFL right. years ago. I remember I, the I, USFL. Which crashed and burned. I think his ultimate goal was to have it merge with the NFL. But Jim's got a great story, so why don't you go ahead? Well, he, he wanted to get his team to merge. He didn't. <laughs> Yeah. He cared about the New Jersey Generals. He didn't care right. about the Birmingham Stallions or the Michigan Panthers oh, or okay. you know, all those guys. He was the guy are, who signed Herschel Walker, right? He signed Herschel Walker yeah. and Flutie and, mm-hmm. and all that sort yeah. of stuff. They, they, one of the things that always amazed me with them, we, one of the things in the league that happened was as the trial goes on, all the trials that we had, the Davis trial, this trial, whatever it is, we would always get the trial transcript, like five copies of it where we're left outside our legal counsel's office, and we could sign them out. And read them. So, you know, in New York, you got an hour train ride to go home and an hour train right. ride to come in. So I'd always sign out the daily transcript, <laughs> you know, read it going home and coming back. And one of the funniest stories in it is they, the USFL, for some reason, hired a court reporter to take all their minutes of all their meetings. Okay. Oh. Now, if you've ever seen the NFL meeting minutes, uh-huh. it's laughable. <laughs> you know, it was a meeting started at 9.05. It was, you know, and we discussed... Something. And okay. that's the extent of it. Okay. There's no discussion of who said what, right. what, whatever, and there was a vote. Right. <laughs> you know, or if there wasn't a vote. So they took the transcript. So he, Trump says in the transcript, uh, he says, well, you know, they used to hold their meetings at my hotel because he owned part of the Grand Hyatt, you know, in New York. <laughs> and I have people, my waiters there at the Grand have, I had have 180 IQ. <laughs> and they would walk into the room. And listen to what they would do. Then they'd come out and give me the notes of what was going on and all that sort of stuff. Well, the meeting he was referring to, I was there. (laughs) And the subject of that meeting for three hours was how high the stripe should be on the socks (laughs) of the players. And there was a great line at the end of a Jack Kent Cook to appreciate Jack Kent Cook, you know, bombastic and all that sort of Redskins on the Lakers and stuff. There's a point he stands up in front of everything and only his voice, you know, gentlemen, I have to excuse myself. I have to go close on the Chrysler building. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it was just that's Trump at his best. You know? Oh, my God. I, I've got a new the Donald. I've got a new slogan for him. Much hairdo about nothing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, my gosh. Um, well, maybe it's this whole real estate developer mentality. Maybe they should be banned from owning football teams. I don't know, because they, obviously they, uh, building castles in the air is uh, you know, something they, they're not really good at. But, uh, you know, it's a shame Mission Valley, I, I know there was some discussion about giving them the land and letting them develop and get some income from that and make the thing happen, you know, a new stadium. But was, was that given some discussion, Jim? That was a great, listen, that, that plan, I came here in 04 thinking that it was going to happen. It was made too much logical sense. I mean, it was, yeah. you know, give give them 66 acres, let them develop it, and take the money off the development of the 66 acres to pay for the stadium, and then give the stadium title to the stadium and everything back to the city after 30 years, right. after you've run it. And it was the best plan ever. Now, obviously, you got a Gary in the middle of that mix, and, and the, the city was very suspicious of the Spanos family at that point because mm. the – Right at that moment in the middle of 04 was when the ticket guarantee was done away with. And yeah. if, if you remember, the ticket guarantee was a constant every single day. This is how much this stadium is costing us because mm-hmm. they didn't sell out. 
and they went through a period of time where were, were we, quite as a team were was we abysmal. the only team that, did other cities do that the ticket guarantee not or? that i know of yeah so i, I think of. we're the only one yeah but jim quick question a little bit off the point if the chargers do leave is that going to kill san diego state football because of the venue being empty <laughs> I, I think they'll come up with a plan in some way, shape, okay. or form. I well, mean, we do have the Aztecs. Well, and you got and listen. The biggest thing you got is what happens to the Holiday Bowl. Yeah, you know. And I was asking and about the Aztecs. Well, Point City Bowl a little less yeah. because mm-hmm. it doesn't draw it doesn't as draw. much. Yeah. But uh, you know, hopefully, it will draw more. But I mean, it's. Uh, I think those are critical issues. And what's the size of the stadium, or how large mm-hmm. you, you can enlarge it to do that? Uh, you know, I think there's great aspiration in the city if you could get the stadium done, you get all that done. You want to be getting. You want to get in the hunt for the national championship game, mm-hmm. or at least right. the semifinals. Right. I mean, you know, when they're playing it at the Peach Bowl this year, right. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, it's it's time to think that the Holiday Bowl was one of those that could do it. But you can't do it till you get the stadium done. Well, now how about uh, another team, perhaps down the road, another NFL team uh, moving here? I know you, one hasn't moved in twenty years, but uh, you know, I, there's a lot of teams in the cold weather that probably would love Ooh. to come play here, right? Well, I think one of the advantages of this is if the city puts out a plan that looks pretty viable. All the other owners are going to pay attention to it. And mm-hmm. and the two points I want to make on that is that if you look at the history of the National Football League, they've always gone back. Yeah. You know, Indianapolis, they, Houston, they, Baltimore. They, I mean, yeah. yeah. Baltimore, Cleveland, Cleveland yeah. St. Louis, Oakland. Yeah. You know, they've always gone back. You mm-hmm. know, Houston. Um, and I think that's a very, very important element of what's going to take place. But the other one that was very interesting is you've got to look at when expansion happened. And there were four cities up for expansion. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the two that got it, Charlotte and Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. But the two that didn't get it were St. Louis and Baltimore. Right, who got teams then. Who got teams because everybody saw what the deal they had on the table. Right. And so the Rams went running for that deal, and the and the Browns went running for the deal in Baltimore. So I think there's some advantages to doing that and getting out there and letting you see how cooperative you want to be. You know, It may take 10 years to get done. And then the Rams but go ahead and you, win the you, Super Bowl with a walk-on quarterback. Uh, you know, well, you can't you can't turn around and, and this stuff. You just can't turn around and figure out and predict exactly how it's going to play out and right. and what it is. But I think you make you go swinging for the fences as best you can to make it happen. Hmm. Outstanding. Well, is there any one or two memories from your Super Bowls that something that went <laughs> off the charts? We've got a couple, like a minute and a half. Yeah, like clothing you, failures. You yeah. never, you never, you yeah. didn't bring it up till now. That You're was right. that was really nice of you. <laughs> There must be like a memory. Uh, I, I can't remember anything about the Houston Super Bowl. There you go. Some, some, some <laughs> I have no recollection of that. <laughs> that much line, right? no, yeah. we, had, we had a lot. Listen, I was very fortunate. Uh, I, it's funny. A guy called me yesterday from the San Jose Mercury News, and he's doing a retrospective of Super Bowl 19, you know, at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And you, when you think about Super Bowls where they are now and to think that we played a game Palo Alto. at Stanford Stadium, yeah. basically in a stadium that's built on dirt and wood planks right. <laughs> and what we got there. And I told him that this is one that I thought was a great story for him. He said, I was worried about that place. Cause literally the first time I ever went there, there were tomato plants growing up and <laughs> you know, in the middle of the stands and over in the student section, there was another plant that was growing yeah, there. That's that not all they were growing. Um, and so we went, we tried to figure out what we knew. We said, well, what's how about seat cushions? Nobody's ever done seat cushions, you know, for an entire stadium. <laughs> So we came, I think it was a buck and a quarter. We came up with the price to get it done, 85,000 seats. So, you know, it's hundred and some thousand dollars. What are we going to do? And and the year before that, Apple had done their first, they did the very first commercial that was ever done specifically for the Super Bowl. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So we went to Cupertino and knocked on the door of Steve Jobs and said, listen, we got this idea. You know, would you think about sponsoring these seat cushions? And he said, you mean everybody that's in the stadium 
will walk away with these. I said, yeah. He said, I'm in. <laughs> so that was the first time seat cushions were done. Smart for, man. You know. Outstanding. So anyway, we have to wrap it right there, Jim. But thanks Jim, so really much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, Glad really appreciate you being our guest. Uh, Jim Steig with the NFL, 35 years. Chargers, another five or six. Uh, his whole life has been football and sports, and he's respected all over Justin, real fast tomorrow. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Justin Hart, our, our sound <laughs> engineer, for making it for sound great. Richard, always great seeing you. Thank you to Craig Blank, our account executive, and to our programming genius here at KFMB, Dave Sniff. All these podcasts are commercial-free at iowamoney.com, and next week it's all about Vietnam, I believe. So, so have a great week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.